This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey there, this is Kelly McDonald, co-host of Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. On our show, we're always discussing the latest events and happenings in the blind and low vision community. Our regional contributors across Canada work tirelessly to keep you updated on events you can't miss and to keep you connected to your community. So don't miss out. Listen to Kelly and Company wherever you listen to good podcasts. We're live. We're ready. Go. We'll do it live. We'll do it live from AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Holy moly. This. The most genius. Unbelievable. Is. The most amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. And history. A neutral zone. It's good. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the neutral zone. It's Friday, of course, and uh, I am back from my one-week holiday. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I'm doing well. I, uh, I'm i still job searching right now, so I'm still at home quite a bit, but I'm, I'm keeping busy as much as possible. Brett, how are you? It's Friday afternoon. I'm in the city. I'm getting raring to go. For the weekend up north, it's uh, it's the end of the summer. It's uh, it's been a whirlwind, but it's been fun. Yes, it has been a whirlwind. It's hard to believe that we're already uh, at the end of August. Claire, the last time you and I were on together, you mentioned to us that you were going to be going back on the ice for the first time. I want to know. I was off last week. How did it go for the first time on the ice? Um, it was actually my second time on the ice and, uh, um, within a couple of weeks, I got a couple of ice sessions in there. So it was good. Um, there was only about four or five of us there and, uh, it was great seeing everybody, but, uh, yeah, I think games are going to be long, long in the future, but it's, it felt great to be back on the ice. Yeah, I remember you were on uh, with us and you said, I'm not really sure how this is going to go for the first and second time. So uh, good to hear that it went well and I hope we can get some games going on. And of course, you can tell us about that on future episodes. Uh, Talking about our poll um, from last week was, uh, when will you feel most comfortable returning back to sporting events? I would go right now, came in at 29%. I would go in a year, also came in at 29%. And overwhelmingly, I am waiting for a vaccine. Brett, are you surprised by these results? I'm not. Um, I, I have no spoiler here. Um, I did vote. And um, I voted for that I was waiting for a vaccine. Um, maybe I would change my vote in six months and say I'll go in a year if I really get stir crazy, but, uh, you know, it's better to feel like I'm probably in the, uh, category that's, uh, that's higher risk. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Claire surprised by these results. Um, not at all. It was especially with the sledge hockey community. Um, like Brett said, there's such a difference in risk factors, when it comes to each individual athlete in, in disabled sports. So it's, it's to each and everyone's decision and definitely have your safety 
and your family's safety at, at the forefront of your decisions? This week's Twitter poll question is, do you support the NBA's decision to boycott their games? They were the first league to do so. Your options are quite simple. It is yes or no. We'll throw out our Twitter handles a little later on in the show. It is now time to get to our headlines for this week. The NBA and the WNBA postponed their games the last number of days. Players from both leagues came out and made statements. Chuck Silverstein has the details. Milwaukee Bucks players Sterling Brown and George Hill reading a statement about their decision to boycott playoff game five against the Orlando Magic. We encourage all citizens to educate themselves, take peaceful and responsible action, and remember to vote on November 3rd. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. WNBA Atlanta Dreams Elizabeth Williams. These moments are why it's important for our fans to stay focused, hear our voices, know our hearts, and connect the dots. Williams also urging people to vote. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. So this is uh, this is in the forefront, obviously, in 2020 or in the mid at the end of the year, and uh, I think that this is important. This isn't just. Uh, about human rights, but it's about civil rights, and uh, it's what's right. Make a stand, uh, create or create a statement, and just uh, you got to do what you got to do. The NHL has followed the NBA's lead, postponing games Thursday and today. Dave Ferry gives us the details. The NHL postponed its Stanley Cup playoff game scheduled for Thursday and Friday in response to Jacob Blake being shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The decision was reached by the league and the NHL Players Association. It was made after members of the Hockey Diversity Alliance asked the NHL to postpone the playing of games. Sharks forward Evander Kane says the HDA strongly feels this sends a clear message that human rights take priority over sports. The NHL faced criticism from Kane and others in allowing its playoff games to continue Wednesday after several other pro sports Sports leagues postponed games or had players sit out Wednesday night. I'm Dave Ferry. With the NHL being a predominantly white league, um, these athletes need to stand beside uh, their brothers and they need to be allies. So like like Bright said, um, throughout all leagues, this isn't about sports and this isn't about uh, sponsorships and stuff. And we just have to be human beings and do the right thing. Cincinnati Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman left the game part of the way through after he uttered a homophobic slur during the pregame show coming out of a commercial break. He has been suspended indefinitely while investigation continues. Right-handed, the Toronto Blue Jays acquire right-handed pitcher from the Miami Marlins, Tolligen Walker from the Miami Marlins. This is huge as we know that they're really lacking in the starting pitching department with three major injuries. The Toronto Raptors bench set an NBA record scoring 100 points in a game. In game four against the Brooklyn Nets, they went on and uh, finished the sweep there. And that game, Lowry got injured, but it's it's really nice to see that uh, Nick Nurse can look very deep down the bench and and get some productivity out of those guys. So the playoffs are going to be fun to watch. 
that is our headlines for this week. And uh, always good to have our headlines. So thank you to you both for doing a good job on that. Coming up next, we're going to speak with para-athlete Brad Bowden all about his career what he, and what he's up to today. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. the neutral zone on ami audio and voices Verbality. i am your host brock richardson well we are pleased to be joined today by brad bowden he is a, uh, a retired athlete now but he had the opportunity to participate in wheelchair basketball for the for the burlington vipers and represent team canada for para ice hockey so brad welcome to the show thanks for joining us thanks for having me Hey, Brad, I, I think it's important for our listeners to know, first and foremost, how you became involved in parasports. Uh, I got involved basically because I had a really um, proactive uh, grandmother, really. She uh, she saw how much I loved being active with my friends and being outside and playing baseball, hockey in the driveway, and would see me come home on the weekends and kind of just get stuck in front of the TV. And I think she really saw that I liked to compete and probably – thought I'd be a good mix for sports, so started picking up the phone and, and doing some research because back then there was no internet, so she basically hunted down some programs and got me involved in, uh, in a few uh, wheelchair basketball programs, and then the rest kind of just kind of worked itself out. Brad, tell us a bit about your time donning the blue and yellow with the Burlington Vipers. Well, I can tell you it was probably some of the best years of my life as a as a young athlete. I mean, um, there's a there's a certain type of freedom that I I loved about playing um, more so just because of the friendships that I had. A lot of the people that I got to play with on that team were really close friends, like Chris Stoutenberg, and had you know Chris Chandler turned out to be a, a very close friend of mine. I had Billy Bridges to play with me, and, and Katie Harnock, who ended up playing on the wheelchair basketball team, and. As you know, Billy Bridges, the, the sledge hockey superstar right now for Canada and played some uh, international competition as well for basketball. But um, for me, it was just a, a great experience because it uh, it was just for, to get to go to somewhere different and have a bit of a trip and get outside of Orton or Orangeville where I'm from and, and meet new people that, uh, you know, some of them were just able-bodied. A lot of a lot of the people that we got to play with were able-bodied. So it was just a good mix of people, and, and uh, I just – it kind of worked out that most of my friends ended up joining the team as well when I joined. And it was just a big, I don't know, it was almost like a party all the time, just going to play basketball, win a championship and go out and have fun with your friends. It was, it wasn't even really like a very, uh, I didn't even see, see most of my time with the Vipers as hard work. All of the hard work was really fun to do with those guys. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun for sure. Brad, speaking of yeah, hard no. work. You... Sorry. Clear, go, go ahead, ahead. Brad. No, no, okay. no. Go ahead. And, you, uh, you're now on the Wall of Fame and with the Burlington Vipers, and what does that mean to you? It's it's great. I mean, back in the day, um, I never would have thought that that I would be honored um, by the club, and and I'm I'm extremely humbled by it. And uh, I've talked 
uh, with with Chris Chandler over the past couple months, and even got even closer learning about the new uh, the new upcoming athletes that he's working with. And it's just cool to just be an example of of, uh, of hard work and dedication. And and you know, I, I don't know if if anybody that's playing on the team now really knows knows of me, but just to, to be on the wall and be honored by by everyone in that organization is is just uh, it's an honor. And you know, I, I cherish those moments, like I said, and and hopefully. Uh, Kids can look at that wall and, and, and dream to be on there too and, and hopefully follow in on some of the footsteps that I, I did for myself throughout my career. Brad, speaking of hard work and dedication, you had the luxury of playing at both the Summer and Winter Paralympic Games, participating in wheelchair basketball, as we touched before, and in sledge hockey. Can you speak of the differences between uh, the Paralympics themselves? Between the two, like the summer and the winter? Yes. Yeah, Um yeah, they are. They're two different creatures for sure. Because I, I felt like the the summer games are so much like they're they're huge. There's just like thousands of athletes there, and the winter games was a little bit smaller. My first games was uh, 2002 in Salt Lake City, so um, Salt Lake City was a was a small little venue, um, and then gradually started to go to more tournaments like that with the sledge team. But then when I I got to Athens in, in 2004, I realized just how big it was, and for me, it's. Uh, just the crowds. I mean, to be able to experience um, sport at that level, being somebody who's had a disability, obviously, uh, you don't really get a lot of platforms like that to really uh, to, to perform and and you know even entertain the public in, in di- different areas. So to have that that kind of uh, opportunity to to play in front of packed crowds, you know, like fifteen thousand people cheering and wooing and eyeing every time you make a move on the court um, and and on the ice uh, is definitely something amazing. But um, I would know. I'm, the biggest thing that I've noticed between the two is just the size. Like the the summer games, is, the village is almost like a, a small city, whereas the winter games isn't as big. Um, they usually kind of like shut down half of it after the the Olympics because there aren't as many athletes. But they're both they're both huge in my mind. I I I just uh, very fortunate to get to experience both of them, and that was one of the things that kind of stood out to me as I played was that just the summer games are just so huge, and the winter games are a little bit smaller. You ultimately made the decision to transition from wheelchair basketball, which you excelled in, obviously, to para ice hockey. Can you talk a little bit about the transition? (laughs) Can can you talk to us a little bit about the transition and how it went for you? Yeah, that was perfect. I played both sports for um, for for quite some time, and and uh, I always found it really easy. I mean, I feel like I was just talking to one of my old coaches a while ago, and just about transferable skills from sledge hockey and basketball and just how they both work out. So for me to transfer over to sledge hockey, I mean, all of the fundamentals that I have in hockey were all built on the court, um, you know, through coaching with, with Chris Chandler and Jeff Penner that I had when I started with Kitchener as well. And then um, Mike Frogby with the national team was fortunate enough to, to have a lot of fundamentals drilled into my head at a young age that kind of really transferred over into sledge hockey. So a lot of the lanes, um, crossing, creating space and time, um, learning how to be creative as, as an offensive player, but also knowing how to close gaps defensively. All of these things are transferable skills, and I was very fortunate to, to meet the right people at the right time going into the sports, and um, thankfully I got to carry along a, a lot of those skills into sledge hockey. So it was, a, it was a pretty good transition once I moved over to, to hockey full-time. We're joined by Brad Bowden, who is a uh, multi-para athlete, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability.
Brad, during Canada's uh, dynamic, successful years with your powerful line with uh, Greg Westlake and Billy Bridges, uh, what made that line so, so dynamic and so unstoppable? Yeah, that was, that was, that was magic. Um, I think we just, we were really good friends and we both had different play styles that really complemented each other. I found that I was more of a playmaker. I like to kind of sit in the bushes back there and create opportunities and, and I would beat a guy one-on-one -on -one and then create some time and space. And Greg was just such a, he had such a high hockey IQ that he just knew the right, the right places to be at the right times. I called him kind of the garbage man when he first started because he would get right into the, at the front of the net and always be where he needed to be and just get hammered by the goalie all the time and other players. And Billy, of course, so if you got one guy in front of the net who's doing one job and then you've got someone in the corner digging out pucks and then you've got somebody who's got Billy's size with his shot at the point. I mean, it was just a, a recipe for, for magic for us. And, and I think we just really complemented each other with our play styles. And um, I was just really fortunate that, that we got to find each other on the same line over so many years. Brad, it's been a little while since uh, retiring from competing at the national level. What have you been up to since then? I've just been trying to keep busy. Um, I, I'm thankfully still working, and uh, I work for a nonprofit out here that that, uh, that develops inclusive sports programs and partners with recreation uh, out here in the city of Barrie and, and throughout Simcoe as well as the York region. And uh, I've just basically get to instruct sledge hockey and, and help kids find new sports that they can be passionate about and hopefully help them develop their skills as well, kind of, you know, it is a job, but I also see it as being able to pay it forward. And um, we just we work with uh, a lot of different organizations, like whether it be uh, um, Autism Ontario or um, who else do we work with? We work with a lot of biking clubs that want to do accessible biking programs, and we have some hand cycles as well that we can help um, lend out to kids. So I find equipment's really hard to find these days for, for certain types of sports. So we have a, a good selection of equipment to lend out in the area. So that's basically what's been keeping me busy. Brad, with uh, sports kind of being on the question mark right now in terms of when athletes can come back and play in the sledge hockey world, when when do you see kind of the international game getting back on, on its feet? It's kind of tough to tell. I mean, I think it's going to be a while. Um, it's just too big of a risk right now, and I know everybody's itching to play, and I, this is just obviously my own opinion, but I think uh, everybody's just trying to play it safe because nobody really knows the best way to approach this situation um, until hopefully you know there's a vaccine or something. But uh, I think that it's going to be probably quite quite a while, maybe a couple more months before we see any, any type of competition. Um, but I know guys are, are starting to get in on the ice now, and they're, they're feeling relieved. I'm still in touch with a lot of the guys, and... Um, they're back kind of into the groove, but I'm, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think everybody's still wondering what's going to go on. Brad, if you were an athlete right now, um, would you need to see anything in particular, whether it be from Team Canada or clubs, to say, okay, I'm able to do this? Or do you solely just put your trust into the organizations and say, they, they have my best interest, I'm good with whatever they do, and when they say I can go, I'll go? Yeah, you're pretty – I mean, when you when you make a national team, um, you you have athlete agreements, you have different things that you sign in order to, to qualify for, for funding and stuff like that. So a lot of people are tied to, to funding, and, and they have their – they're binded by athlete agreements and so forth. So 
they have an obligation on their end, but I think that most NSOs that are, you know, governing most of the sports um, definitely have a, an obligation to the athletes to make sure that they're safe. I mean, uh, you know, there's probably things that happen that, that put certain athletes at risk unintentionally, and, you know, you don't want those those opportunities to come up or anything like that. But uh, I think that it's, it's pretty much in their hands. I, I think that most of the people that are in charge are definitely thinking about the athletes' well-being for sure, so... You just kind of leave it in their hands. Brad, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview, and uh, we hope to have you on again down the line. Oh, thanks for having me. That was Brad Bowden, who participated for Team Canada in wheelchair basketball and para-ice hockey. After the break, we're going to uh, switch gears to the uh, mainstream sports world. We're obviously going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in the world right now, give you our viewpoints. It'll be a great conversation. Stay with us. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI Voices for Ability broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter conversation with Brett Wills from the Neutral Zone? Find him at Neutral Zone Brett. Swinging a chopper to second base right at CP Buchanan 13. Claire picks up the ball, throws it over to first base. For a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Claire Buchanan and Brett Wills. Well, uh, the sports world has been uh, put on pause because of uh, shootings that have happened uh, recently again in the States. And um, the NBA was really the uh, leading leading force in this when the uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh did not come out for their game on uh, Wednesday against the uh, Orlando Magic. Uh, a source tells us that the NBA has decided to continue their their playoffs after boycotting a total of nine games. The games will, will start again tomorrow. Sagar Megani has more. It's unclear when the games will resume. Neither the NBA nor the Players' Union have announced anything publicly. The boycott was the players' strongest stand yet after several shootings involving police and black men. We don't want to just keep playing and forget about what's going on in the outside world. Celtics all-star Jason Tatum. We're more than just basketball players. Here in Washington, Vice President Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, called the protests absurd and silly, telling CNN, if they want to protest, I don't think we care. Sagar Magani, Washington. So the part in that clip that I want to focus on is uh, Mike Pence's right-hand man saying if they want to protest, we don't really care. They can do so. What 
do you make of that, Brett? Does it really make a difference? Or what do you say? You know, I, I think Jason Tatum said it right. They're more than just basketball players. They're they're black men. Uh, they, they've been persecuted for 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 a very very long time, and um, there, there's no there's a lot of good people in the world. There's a lot of bad people in the world. Um, it, it's not right for for uh, police to be shooting people uh, no matter what. Claire. I agree. It's it's literally it's it's right and wrong. You these cops are armed for a reason and they're using it forcefully and they're not de-escalating any situations they which they should be doing. Um they're there to to de-escalate situations. They they're not there to take things and people's lives in into their own hands. There are two narratives here that I really want to outline and then get your thoughts on 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 which on both narratives kind of there's there's the first narrative is everyone supports we're all good with it we understand why most leagues uh postpone games and then the second narrative is why did they postpone games it's not really going to make a difference uh these are these are players who make millions and millions of dollars they should you know be quiet and dribble and just play basketball what do you say to the narrative the latter narrative there where it's just be quiet and dribble claire it's it's ridiculous uh kia nurse uh, quoted today that uh they're they still face racism even though they are professional athletes and they do kind of get all those other privileges that come along with that. But that does not erase the fact that they still face racism just by, just by being black in America. And they have to make a stance right now in order for these, these people in this world and their kids and their kids that it's, it needs to get better. Brett. Sorry. uh, Can you repeat yourself? Yeah, so there's two narratives. The one, the one narrative is we we support, and then the other narrative is be quiet and dribble. You make millions of dollars. What does taking you know nine games off in the NBA two two days off for the NHL? Uh, what say you on the the second half of that? Well, I don't think that many people or the people that are telling these people to just, quote, shut up and dribble, understand that the majority of these black men have come from poverty, have come from the slums, have come from the areas that are be, uh, have these problems right now. I, I, I genuinely don't think that that's computing with the, with the general public that is telling these, or that is sharing this opinion that they, they should just stick to sports. And, and, and it's disheartening, and it, it, quite frankly, I, I'm sickened by it. The thing is, and and I've been trying to elicit this on uh, social media this week. It's it's the platform that they have. It's it's the reach that they have. It's not that these athletes are deciding. Oh, we want an extra night off. It's where they believe they can reach by taking that 
those those games off. It's the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks were were in talking to leadership close to Milwaukee saying we need to make change. It's not as if they were sitting in the locker room going, uh, we're just going to make make Orlando wait. They were sending a message and that is the point of using your platform. And the other narrative that I've heard this week is well, if the general public takes off days of work, then we would get fired. And to me, that is so not true because there are many, many employment places that would support this. And truthfully, to assume that everyone would get fired if we all decided to do this, I don't think so, given given where we are in 2020. Comment, Claire? I agree. These These athletes have to use the voice that they have. Um, I, th- I really believe that they're doing it in the best way that they can. And just, just recently the, the NBA has stepped up and made commitments to, um, bring forth change within their, within their community and within their leagues. And so hopefully it just falls, follows suit. And, uh, the main thing is, uh, state senators and ultimately they got the guys at top at the top need to open open those change books and and make change permanently. Brett, is there something to the point though where people will say, "Oh, once these games start on Saturday, all is forgotten?" Well, I mean, I I think you have a group of people that share that opinion, but I I feel that the majority of people feel as if uh, they're they're on the, the the right side of justice, and that uh, the fact that they took a stand is a step in the right direction. Like Claire said, I, I think it it, uh, it gives the the uh, the governors and the state officials and those people at the top um, pressure to, to help try and make a change. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think uh, you're going to see change. And as Claire alluded to earlier, you've already seen change with the NBA opening up their their pocketbooks and creating more initiatives. I haven't got exactly details of what those initiatives are, but I do know that they are going to be there. Guys, I want to switch gears to something we talked about in the headlines, and in case you missed it, I will go over it uh, for you. Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman left the game in the middle of the game after uttering a racial slur during the pregame show coming out of commercial break. He then apologized in uh, the middle of a game. Nick Castellanos, however, did hit a home run and he transitioned from his apology to hitting the home run, albeit very monotone. Uh, Clara, what say you on this? I mean, I, I heard the comment and... Honestly, being someone that is part of the uh, LGBTQ plus community, it it struck a chord with me immediately. And yes, apologies are are great, and they show that um, people are showing that they're putting the effort into correcting themselves and the way that they think. But it just shows that uh, that thinking is still at the forefront of some people's minds and. Um, yeah, people are are treated as as less than just uh, for something that they have no no control over. Brett, 
well, did he think that his microphone was on mute? And if he thought his microphone was on mute, it doesn't matter if his microphone was on mute or not. You, you don't say stuff like that. And, and, and the fact that he apologized, like, right after, like, no, apologies are worth their, their weight and salt, uh, especially right mm-hmm. after. You, you, you need to have some some, uh, some emotion behind it. And, and the fact that he called a home run, like, moments after he... He said what he said, like, no, 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 no. The, the fact that he's been suspended and uh, has some time to think about what he did, like, th- that's perfect. That that shows that uh, I guess society's going in the right way. Uh, it, it's taking a while. It's uh, it's taken way too long, in my opinion. But uh, good, good on the network for uh, giving him some time off. I, I think for me, the part that bothers me the most is calling the Nick Castellanos home run literally in the middle of your apology. You knew you were not going to be part of this game anymore. You knew the sole reason you came back on the air was to give an apology and then to cut out halfway through. And even, albeit monotone, I don't care. You still cut out and said, Nick Castellanos hits a home run. It's now 4 nothing. And then you went back to your apology. Like, you, like I said, you're in the middle of the apology. Stick to your apology. Get up, get off the air, and and hope that things work out. Claire, is this a fireable offense in your opinion, or is a suspension enough? I I think that uh, there's a lot of strong messages being sent out right now, and change is being demanded. And so I absolutely think that it would be another strong message sense if. Uh, if they he did get fired, I would support that decision. Um, but yeah, I think it. I really think he made it worse for himself uh, coming back and apologizing late. Let, like Brett said, uh, I think it should have taken some time and done properly. And it just it, it had no sincerity to it. Absolutely, I agree. We got about uh, three minutes, guys. I want to touch on quickly on this one. Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Mark Andre Fleury's agent Alan Walsh tweeted out a picture of his athlete in the goalie net with a sword uh, going through his back and ultimately through the front of his jersey with the name Peter DeBoer on the sword itself. Uh, this tweet was taken down. It was prior to. Uh, Game one of the uh, semifinal series against the Vancouver Canucks. Guys, I'm curious to know if this was you and you had an agent, how would you approach this? Brett, start with you. Hey, listen, I've been a goaltender for many, many years. Um, I'm no longer a goaltender. So I know and have felt the ire of a a head coach when when you've had a uh, a rough outing. Uh, have I had people back me up? Yeah, may, maybe privately, but uh, I mean, the, the whole so- social media thing, it, it uh, I don't think it was right. Um, I, I feel for Marc Andre Fleury. I, uh, I think his agent was trying to do the right thing. Uh, clearly, he didn't do the right thing. Um, good, good hockey coach there in, uh, in Las Vegas. Really good backup goaltender in Las Vegas, too. I, I mean, it's a sticky situation, but the ultimate goal is to win a Stanley Cup. You got to do what you got to do. And, uh, I guess at the end of the season, whether uh, things turn around for the Golden Knights, if they win a Stanley Cup. 
up or if they're in uh, this round or the next round, uh, Peter DeBoer is probably going to have to answer for it. And uh, then uh, saying that, uh, the the agent for Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have to continue to answer for, answer for uh, what he did to, as well. So, Claire, quick thoughts? Yeah, I mean, being an athlete myself, you sometimes don't get the nod every time from your head coach. So, And Fleury showed right away that uh, they both have a good relationship with, with the backup goalie, and there's no hard feelings there. And he did the right thing of speaking up right away and showing the maturity that maybe his uh, agent was lacking a little bit. And he, he ultimately uh, did... Um sort of come out and say I'm sorry this happened although he didn't admit that he knew about it or he didn't know about it but at the end of the day you're going to get a Stanley Cup ring because you're part of this team and sometimes it's a matter of suck it up and do what's best for the the team in the moment so uh, lots of stuff going on in sports and I'm amazed we got through all of our mainstream sports uh, discussions Coming up after the break, we're going to speak to uh, Melanie Tadio Malo, and she's going to come on. We have a bit of an announcement to make in regards to Voices for Ability. So stay tuned. With that, we'll be right back. a message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail welcome back to the neutral zone on Hey, am I audio and voices for ability? I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Brett Wills and Claire Buchanan. Joining us now is founder and executive director, Melanie Tadio Malo. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brock. I'm impressed with the last name pronunciation. Listen, I've been working on this all week, so I, it's, it's, uh, it's been practiced, so I'm glad I could uh, pull it off properly this week. Uh, Mel, we brought you on for a specific reason today, and that is that AMI and Voices for Ability have been in partnership for the last uh, with the Neutral Zone for the last four years. And today we're going to bring you on to tell the listeners that we are going to be um, moving in our separate ways because you guys are moving in a in a different direction, and AMI, of course, is moving in a direct in a different direction, we want to give you an opportunity to kind of give us the history of the neutral zone for those listeners who don't know where it originated from. Well, sure. Okay. So Voices for Ability Radio, the first online radio station, 24-hour online radio station for about and by people with disabilities, started off, and we had some initial programs. And, in fact, Brett Wills was the brains behind neutral zone way back when when we first started it with volunteers coming up with concept of different shows so he actually named the neutral zones we'll give brett props for that and it was our one of our first signature shows on voices for ability radio and then as we had the broadcast training program come on we had brock come in 
and take on responsibility of being on the neutral zone. And then I said to Brock when he came out of station manager voices, I'm talking like third person, if you're not there, <laughs> um, mm. we, um, that you should take on the lead on it. And then as station manager, you were doing that as well as hosting neutral zone for voices. And I suggested you pitch it to AMI. And voila, that's how the partnership began. And it's grown extra, like huge amounts on your end. And it's been wonderful to watch all of you guys um, proceed with it and do so well. And increase the listenership and we've been happy to have the content on voices for ability but as you mentioned we are starting to go into a different direction and want to give other individuals opportunities to host a sports show on voices for ability and you guys are doing great things there so um, with sean who's the station manager of voices for ability now and you had the discussion and so that's how it came to be and evolved and now i'm just so proud of you guys and what you've done and I just say thank you very much for all you've done for Connect for Life and Voices for Ability. It's been wonderful. Claire? Yeah, I uh, I was thinking, I was trying to think back of um, how I first got to know Melanie. And uh, I remember that I was just coming back from the States after playing wheelchair basketball in college and stuff and uh, heard about Voices, about Voices for Ability. And she actually had me in and interviewed me. So I don't think, you, do you remember, I don't know oh, if you I remember think, interviewing yes, me. I yeah. I do for Spotlight. You're right, Claire. And that was when we were down in Mississauga Park Credit there. I, I absolutely, I think that's even before Brock came to the picture. <laughs> so this is a long time ago. <laughs> it was. Cause, yeah. Because she said it to me earlier and I went, I must have been before I was around. So uh, yeah, great. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's it's come kind of full circle that uh kind of interviewing now you now so I, I there you go. it was it, yeah, it was great. It's I I've been very gracious that these guys have brought me on and now I'm part of the group so that's great. So good to see cuz you guys are the experts in the sports world. Who better to speak to this stuff than you guys, right? So Brett yeah, uh, I, I've been uh, I've been thinking the last number of days, and I, uh, I I distinctly remember how I met Melanie. I was on the board of directors for Cruisers Sports, and her and uh, a gentleman by the name of Jamie Leal walked into one of our board meetings and presented an idea to our board of directors. And uh, I was sitting front row there, and uh, my eyes just lit up, and. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm not even afraid to or ashamed to admit it. I, I was Melanie's first volunteer mm-hmm. with uh, with Voices for Ability, and I mean, we uh, we had some uh, challenges and some creative differences, and uh, I think uh, we we argued a little bit. But uh, Melanie, I, I am so grateful for the opportunity that uh, that you gave me through Voices for Ability and uh, through Connect for Life. I. Uh, Without you, I, I am adamant that I, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you and thanking you uh, alongside uh, two of my favorite people uh, doing exactly what I love doing, and that's talking about parasports and mainstream sports. So thank you for the opportunity and uh, giving me a chance to put my foot through the door. Anytime, Brad. It's been awesome to watch you. And, you know, our disagreements were fun-filled, thought-provoking 
disagreements. So come on <laughs> and made us make voices that much better. So great stuff. But no, thank yeah. you very much. And you, Mel, you're, you're, you're like the big sister I never had. So, so thanks there again. You go. Fair <laughs> thanks. Mel, before, before we let you go, uh, we have uh, two voicemails from uh, Josh Watson, followed by Cam Jenkins. They were unable to join us today, but let's have a listen. I started with Voices for Ability after a conversation with Brett where he told me he was heading over to Melanie's to help her interview some admin assistants. I was at work at the time and was looking for something to do, and so I looked at him and said, you knew about an admin job and didn't tell me? He laughed and said, well, you know, it's one of those things. It's a volunteer position. I didn't think you'd be interested. Next thing I know, he had phoned Melanie and had uh, handed me the phone. said, here, she wants to talk to you, which I was completely unprepared for. But after a conversation and then a follow-up in-person meeting the next day or day after, I was lucky enough to become Melanie's admin assistant for probably a year or more. I watched Voices for Ability grow and watched a number of programs be developed, including the Infill Zone, had a chance to be on some of them, and inadvertently ended up coming full circle when Brock asked me to join the Neutral Zone as one of the hosts. It has been a wonderful experience, and I learned a lot. Um, it's actually because of my time with Voices for Ability that I started my virtual assistant business, which I'm now steadily growing. So I owe Melanie and Voices quite a bit. It's uh, Cam Jenkins. I'm very sure I wasn't able to be on the show today, uh, but I did want to leave a message to say thank you for all of the years uh, that you showed uh, confidence in everyone that was part of the neutral zone. I remember the very first time that I came over, um, Josh Watson introduced us, and uh, you were gracious enough to uh, hire me on to Voices for Ability. And you had the vision of uh, the radio station um, for about and by people with disabilities. And um, I remember, uh, you know, you letting me go on the neutral zone, um, you know, with Brett and Josh and David Rockvina. They really uh, helped to build my confidence um, in being able to do a, a bit of radio. And it's not something that I ever uh, thought about doing. And I naturally just uh, fell into it, and uh, I certainly have you to thank for that. And it's brought me to other um, podcasting situations as well. So I just want to say thank you so much, Melanie, and I do appreciate uh, everything that you've done for Voices for Ability and people with disabilities and for myself. Thank you. Well, Mel, uh, I haven't <laughs> said my thank you yet. Uh, I... I am forever grateful for what you've done for me personally and the neutral zone. And I really want to let the listener know if it wasn't for Melanie Taddeo pushing me and saying, you need to pitch this to AMI audio. And it wasn't just one day. It was weeks upon weeks where she's like, seriously, pitch it. And I'm going, but I'm busy. And she's like, but pitch it. You won't regret it. And I don't. And so thank you, Melanie. Melanie, I'll give you the floor to uh, close us out. 
Okay, you're not supposed to make your me cry. <laughs> that was so nice. Thank you. It's been a pleasure watching each and every one of you, as part of the True Zone, um, grow and you know take it to next new levels beyond even what I thought was possible. And a big thank you to AMI for always being a big supporter of Connect for Life and Voices for Ability. And the partnership over the years has been incredible. And I hope that will continue despite Neutral Zone going, neutral zone going on its own. But uh, we're always here for you guys if you need anything and vice versa. I know that will be the same. And congratulations, guys, on all of your achievements. Thank you very much, Melanie, for coming on and uh, joining us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the future endeavors of Voices for Ability. I know Sean's going to do great work and is doing great work. Great. Thanks, guys. That was founder and executive director of Voices for Ability and Connect for Life, Melanie Tadio Malo. Again, I want to uh, remind the listener over there, on uh, Voices for Ability. This is the last episode uh, that will be submitted to Voices. So if you have not got our podcast any other way, uh, just go to your uh, podcatcher and type in the neutral zone. It will be there. And uh, I want to take some time to thank two people that have not been mentioned yet. And that would be Dave Recavina and Derek Wellsman, who Dave was the a very first host of the neutral zone and Derek Wellsman has done uh, some of our intros and the uh, voicemail box and all those things. So we appreciate the help from voices for ability and we thank uh, everyone over there for giving us the support over the last four to five years. We really, really appreciate it. And on that note, that is the end of our show for this week. I would like to thank Claire Buchanan, Brett Wills, and our technician is Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Again, we thank Voices for Ability for all they did. We really appreciate it. Talk to you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.